I am Marwan Cameron, and this is The Conduit. All right, everyone, it is 11 a.m. It is Sunday, March 20th. So glad that you were able to tune in today. It is an interesting day outside. It got almost down to freezing. It was 34 degrees last night. Not cold enough for our severe weather shelters to open, but that's a whole other conversation. But today, I want to welcome Jennifer Chamberlain. For those of you who don't know, Jennifer Chamberlain has been elected as our Burberton City Councilwoman for District 1. Uh, so she has been in office for about three months. So, uh, Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Happy Sunday. My goodness. How are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, thank you there, Rob. We'll have some folks in the chat, you know, chatting in from time to time. Uh, definitely appreciate you making some time to come on to the conduit uh, for sure. So we got a lot to talk about and get into. Um, so I guess we should probably just jump right into it. Uh, the first thing is, is I, I was telling you before, uh, that I'm not really well-versed in, in government and politics and how all those things work. And I know that a lot of the people that I serve uh, and a lot of my friends don't either, right? We're so busy with living our lives and just kind of uh, surviving through COVID and everything else. Uh, and even previous to that, that it's like, you know what? I might elect, you know, this person based on this or that, or, you know, it's a D or an R or whatever the case may be, and then let them go ahead and do what they're gonna do. Um, so, you know, things are changing based on some stuff that's happened. And so now it's kind of opened my eyes and now I'm getting more involved in, you know, what the conduit is about is two-way communication, right? Uh, so giving accessibility both ways. So folks that are in high levels to come on and have conversation, you know, people in the community to come in and talk about their thoughts and their ideas and just being able to share different perspectives, right? So that's really important. That's really the purpose of this platform here. Uh, so again, I'm very happy that you were uh, willing to come on. But if you if you don't mind, just you can take as much time as you want. Just kind of lay out who who is Jennifer Chamberlain. Oh, thank you, thank you, Marwan. Um, so I, you know, it's funny uh, the conduit, and I always like to say that that I see my role as a conduit as well. It's not you know like my job as city council person to know all the everything's, but it is my job to know my community right and to be that conduit. Uh, for their needs. Um, and I did a lot of door knocking uh, when I campaigned. Um, and that was to get to know my community. And I would pick a block, I would go knock on every door, I wasn't looking at if they're registered voters or not. And uh, that's a practice I'd like to continue soon uh, back up. So I, you want to know Jennifer Chamberlain, my goodness, there you depends on who you ask, who you're going to learn about me. Um, but I am a former Navy kid. So I was originally born in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And um, then we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my mother married a military man. We moved to Illinois, to Waukegan, Illinois. I lived there for a couple of years. Moved here when I was in middle school. Then my senior year of high school, uh, he retired. We moved back to Chattanooga. I did not like it very much. I came back here as soon as I could. And I lived in Bremerton ever since, uh, continuously since 1997. I um, uh, started college right away, although when I was in Chattanooga, I dropped out of high school. There was a, 
a lot of uh, situations um, that happened that uh, I did not feel welcome at school. And I was seeking outside validation, whether it's from partying or even work. I was an overworker even back then. And so I had dropped out of high school. But when I came back here, uh, I felt like home, felt like home. I got started right away, went to Olympic College, met a really cute boy in my biology class uh, after about three months, got pregnant with my first kid um, at 20. And we didn't get married. We, we did eventually move in together. Um, and then... Um, uh, after that, I had a, a couple of miscarriages, to be honest, um, and then I had my second son. But what happened in the meantime, you know, I'm poor, we're struggling. Uh, the only time I could get insurance was when I was pregnant. And so uh, I ended up not being able to, I, I knew that there was something wrong. I had uh, some mental wellness, I had postpartum depression, maybe even psychosis, but I wasn't able to get uh, help for that in my community. I wasn't able to, once I wasn't pregnant anymore, you're off insurance and I didn't have the resources to get insurance and ended up uh, getting, um, just, just struggled. I struggled hard uh, and ended up becoming justice involved um, and uh, split up with the kid's dad and moved out on my own, but went through a whole series of struggles um, to survive. And um, how old were you when you started at OC? I was 19, I was 18 when I started at OC. And um, uh, let's see. And then I, it took me quite a while to get my associate's degree because I didn't get my associate's degree until um, I was right before I was pregnant with my second son. And so then um, I had started to go to school to become a teacher, but I had all these mental wellness issues that were unaddressed. And um, I became pregnant with my second son. And then after he was born, uh, it just, my mental health declined big time. And um, so I had dropped out of school to be a teacher way back, way back then. And um, uh, had my second son, uh, lots of struggles. I was on my own struggling um, and um, getting into some trouble to be quite honest. And uh, then eventually, um, I was able to uh, get a full-time job at Teletech. If anybody remembers Teletech, <laughs> a lot of people been through there and yeah. people did not think that I was going to make it because I had been, I had this reputation and, um, but I, you know, I really credit Teletech for giving me my first ounce of stability. It was my first full-time job. And there were people there who had been through struggles too and who were currently, you know, struggling and, and none of us were getting rich there by any means. So we all had some of the same struggles. Um, but uh, I had, like I said, was justice involved. And I started um, doing community service through KCR, you know. Um, so sometimes I would go out and I'd be like mowing lawns at Ivy Green or shoveling gravel at one of the parks or whatever. And that was uh, coordinated through the AmeriCorps KCR program. Well, I was bumming a cigarette from a lady outside who I knew was part of the AmeriCorps program. And she said, you know, I've been watching you and uh, I think you should apply for AmeriCorps, you know, the program, the, the actual program AmeriCorps, because uh, I think you're gonna make it. And I just kind of like pushed that off, but then like it planted a seed and it was, and it was an opportunity to return back to education uh, maybe in my heart to reclaim a little bit of what I lost before. 
And um, I applied for and I was accepted to AmeriCorps and um, continued to work through, you know, my justice involvement issues. Um, it was the first time I got into recovery was when I was in AmeriCorps and uh, began the healing process. And, you know, it wasn't like shoveling gravel that helped me heal. It was people bumming me cigarettes saying they think I'm going to make it. Um, that really planted the seeds for that healing process to start, right? Let's, let's just pause there because we have yeah. a lot of folks that are, um, you know, in recovery uh, or maybe thinking about uh, mm -hmm. going into recovery, right? Um, and so can you just elaborate a little bit more on okay. um, what what helped you to, you know, for it to be successful? Did you have a lot of um, successes and failures in, in between that? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> A lot of it feels like failure, you know, um, and not everybody can get in and stay in the first time. And so uh, it took me a, you know, a couple times of going back in. Um, and we there is no formula. You can't make somebody want recovery. They have to be in a, in a place um, of readiness for it. Um, and maybe that's like there's a rock bottom place. Maybe for them, like they are, are in a, a personal place where they're able to to start the healing process and they see that it's part of uh, what they need to do next. Sometimes it's court ordered. I don't know how that works out. It works out well for some people. Um, I don't I know that if I had been court ordered, it might not have worked out for me so well because I have a little bit of issues with authority. So, <laughs> um, so what but, was it for you? What, what was that catalyst for you? Um, well, um, you know, uh, I was, um, I, I wasn't able to keep a stable living environment. I wasn't able to, to, to keep places to live. I was struggling all the time. Um, and I was just spiritually empty and angry all the time. And I had known some people in recovery and I have family who have been in recovery. Um, and so I, so I had that as an idea of something I could do next. So that is, uh, and that's and so I just started going in into the rooms, you know, and trying it out. And it's and it's and it's what worked for me at the time. And, and you were saying that um oh go ahead, can finish your thought. I don't want to break No, you. no, no, go go right ahead. You were saying that, you know, people that were uh bumming cigarettes were telling you that you can do it, and that was one of the major factors that pushed yeah. you along. What 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 were some other things? You were going to the meetings, um uh, you know, um, I just found a community that was like-minded and something that people, in, and, and it's okay. So I'm going to, I want to keep, you know, this, I want to hold some space for a minute and honor that, um, you know, our rooms are anonymous and really I'm breaking my own anonymity here. Okay. So I just want to honor that right now because I'm not going to really feel comfortable talking too much about what happens in recovery. Okay. Right. Um, and, but, um, uh, on the surface level of my life was falling apart. I mean, and I was grasping at straws and that was a straw that I grasped at and it worked for a while. Yeah. But it wasn't the only thing. That's not the only thing that I credit my recovery to because it's not, um, you know, I think that there's people think that people just need to go to AA and they can be fixed from their alcoholism. Well, that's not it. Like for me um, and there's relapse in my uh, history, but for me, um, I had to start therapy to be able to go back and start uh, doing the recovery program with authenticity. And um, I have a fantastic therapist 
and um, that we work on uh, mindfulness and uh, secular Buddhist practices. And the reason that I chose, and I had to go out and work hard to get her. She's not exactly in my network. I have insurance now, by the way, uh, thanks to my job. <laughs> but um, it was, um, I, it was I, I was working with her for over a year before I was able to get back into recovery. And that had to do a lot with um, healing, right? Like we have trauma that that needs to be unraveled and healed before we can be at a state of readiness to um, accept the next step, whatever that is. And that's a resource that I didn't have when I was younger. Like if I'd have had that resource when I was younger and practicing recovery, it might have been so much stronger, you know. But I just I just credit so much of my holistic recovery to my therapist, and um, I'm so so grateful that I have those resources now when I didn't before, because I see the changes in me and the changes in my healing are so much um, more authentic and strong because I have this additional practice in my recovery. And and it's science-based, you know, uh, mindfulness. If y'all don't know about mindfulness, it's um, basically, you know, it's, there's the whole meditation, there's breathing, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things that go along with mindfulness. And it's science-based, um, you know, so it's not just an idea, you know, an Eastern idea that may or may not work. Um, there's a lot of research articles about it that prove the efficacy of, of practicing mindfulness and, and in healing trauma and healing in general. So, so I'm hearing mindfulness, I'm hearing meetings, I'm hearing therapy, which is a big one, a definitely a big supporter of that, um, you know, um, affirmations of positivity, from those around you, mm -hmm. um, are you, um, you know, pretty focused and driven and uh, about staying busy and staying engaged? You were volunteering. Is that was that one of them also? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. I, and and um, I did a I did quite a lot of volunteering. Um, one of the things, one of the things I'm most proud of. So about um, I want to say four and a half, four years ago or so. I don't know if uh, people in the audience or you remember, but um, there was a bed bug outbreak at Salvation Army. And so they were forcing, they were, they had, they couldn't take people in. They had to go in and clean it out. Well, bed bugs are pretty common in shelters, but there was like a lot happening. And so something that I want to credit our mayor for, Mayor Wheeler at the time, he approved the first permit for a tent city in Bremerton. And mm. that allowed people to set up tents outside of Salvation Army. And my friend who I had been in AmeriCorps with way back in the day was the person who was um, overseeing the shelter operations. And so I just showed up and I said, you know, Michelle, Michelle Fleetwood, Michelle, how, what can I do to help? And so she's like, I am so glad to see you. And <laughs> she, we just I just kind of started helping and volunteering um, you know, doing some things around that, uh, they needed. Um, I started doing a little bit of over overnight shelter work. Um, and then that, uh, was becoming a lot cause I do have a full-time job. So I found a way to continue, uh, volunteering by, I would come in once a week and make a meal. And I started out by doing some crowdsourcing for that. Um, and I crowdsourced not just from Bremerton, but also from my atheist community. So for a short time, my atheist community and, and Salvation Army, we had a partnership, which is pretty cool if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And I would come into their beautiful kitchen and make a meal with some different volunteers. And I did that for, um, for three uh, winter seasons. Um, that partnership has, uh, it's uh, 
diplomatically is over because there was, um, you know, the Salvation Army is, they are uh, very religious and they, there was new captains and, and they um, wanted to make it clear that they had a right to pray over any meal that they wanted to. And for my atheist community, they felt like that would be, they, they were giving me these resources um, under the conditions that there's no proselytizing at this shelter, right? And so it just felt like a conflict of interest. So we very diplomatically um, ended <laughs> that partnership. Um, and so uh, it's uh, something that I've, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love doing. Um, but, um, and I'd like to continue doing in the future. Well, let me ask you this, Jennifer. Um, you know, I, I run a nonprofit. And so volunteerism is, is important, obviously, to serve mm -hmm. the nonprofit. But it's my belief that volunteering, uh, especially if you're, you're struggling and going through things, is one of the most powerful things to help you uh, to so grow and be resilient. So what, does, what did volunteering do for you specifically? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, and in different ways, and I volunteered in different ways for different causes, mm -hmm. but this experience stands out in my heart the most um, because I was, uh, I think that um, for me, I was able to have some autonomy in how I was able to distribute um, food and love. And uh, it helped me uh, to be part of solving a larger issue uh, and to just kind of um, quietly be able to uh, show love without having to expect anything in return. I think that's part of, uh, you know, sometimes when we're not in our best state of mind, we can get stuck in the poor me syndrome. We can get stuck in like, or even um, I like for me, and I don't know about anybody else, but when I'm not uh, healthy emotionally or spiritually, um, I'm like, oh, like I want to consume everything. Like don't put a package of Oreos in front of me. If I'm not feeling well, because I'm need the whole package of Oreos, but like that's also a state of mind where we're like consuming resources from people close to us, or like consuming the emotional energy from other people, right? And so when you volunteer, the the thing about volunteering for me is that it gave me the opportunity to give back without expectation, like I mentioned before, and to put myself in perspective uh, where I'm at in the grand scheme of life, I think. Is that, is that kind of what you were asking about? Yeah. You know, it just, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's proven, right. That, that volunteering and, and staying busy, staying engaged, right. There, there's things like, oh, the idle mind is the devil's playground. Right. Um, it, it's that, that <laughs> yeah. Being occupied with something and doing something positive mm -hmm. helps your mind, on what you're doing and you Absolutely. Know, a watch pot never boils you know paint you know, watching the paint wall will never dry or whatever the sayings are yeah. right to, to do the work it's a marathon it's not a sprint oh look at all these things um and and it does it it's 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 the long haul and so being engaged in something and focused on not your problem that you're trying to overcome every second of the day which is super stressful mm -hmm. can really help you know in in your healing and, and moving forward is is what it sounds like and so i want to hear if you kind of agreed with that uh, yeah i also want to talk about the flip side of that too 
Mm -hmm. uh, because I started to, when I got into a certain place in my life and I started, people started trusting me and like knowing that I had some skills and resources, all of a sudden people constantly want you to volunteer for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there was a period of time where I was over volunteering, where I wasn't able to self care, where also I had to take a step back and say, am I just doing these things to build my resume or am I doing, or because I'm getting some kind of validation from other people, right? Mm -hmm. um, or am I doing these things because I want to be part of the solution because I have the energy to give and because I want to give back because I have taken so much already? Like what is bringing me the joy and where is the boundary that I need to set for that? Because there was a period of time I was on a lot of boards, you know, like I was um, working with my union. I was doing the soup kitchen thing. I was... Um, working in a lot of activist causes. I was doing a ton of stuff. And so um, I had to go through, I, I was in a place in my personal reflection where I, I scaled back a lot because we can easily get caught up in it, right? And so uh, it's really important to me that when I do volunteer for something now that I'm doing it with good intentions and that I'm not just doing it, um, like I said, to build a resume or to like be, to look better in the eyes of somebody else. You know, um, I think that's important because um, I want to be authentic. Uh, so um, I think that there's there's also that to consider too on the flip side of volunteerism. And I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. No, I do, and I and I try to you know encourage people when they get into it and they get the bug. It's like I, I want to help everyone and I want to do this, yeah. and it's like oh, yeah. let's let's do a clothing closet and I want to feed everyone and I want to yes. like, you know okay we can't do it all and you'll burn out if you try to yes. do that and you yes. can't help everyone because then you end up helping no one right and then everyone's mad at you, you don't have enough time for them right and you yeah. don't have time for yourself so focus on a few things and engage there uh, and and just be committed to it and. You know, it's like going to, to college, right? Part of, you know, earning a degree is from an employer standpoint is can you start something and finish it? Something mm -hmm. that takes a while for you to do. And so commit yeah. to that. And that those are transferable skills. So those are the things that I try to give to people. I wanted to give you some kudos because you have folks in the chat uh, saying thank you for being vulnerable Aww. and uh, <laughs> that they love it and that you're awesome. So um, yeah, That's thank nice. you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, chat, for uh, being active there and uh, um, and your impact that you're making just from having this conversation. So hopefully I, I hope that you believe that this is a fruitful endeavor uh, as we go forward. But go ahead and continue. We can oh, move, I, move from know, volunteerism and just kind of, you know, get back to your story there. I'm sorry. Thank you. I think that was I, I just I did want to make that point. And I mean, um, you know, and, and no no shade to people that are out there volunteering all the time and doing that, um, because some people that's and that's totally fine. You know, you're out there volunteering three, four or five times a week. You're working with your church or you're working with this nonprofit or whatever. And that's where your heart is. And that's and that's your path. So, you know, I didn't want to like, uh, you know, be negative about that either. I just wanted to make it clear that, you know, we need to sometimes check ourselves about our intentions in that volunteerism, because if we're not careful, right, we're just causing harm on the community we're trying to help. Mm. Um, and so, so in that chaotic moment, you know, where I was doing all the things, um, I was also um, doing a lot of activism. And uh, I was uh, involved with an organization called Washington Won't Discriminate which is an organization that is pro-trans. And um, 
and I was doing some activism with them. Uh, I got some pushback from the Tea Party and they tried to have me prosecuted for something. It didn't stick. And then at the, and then around that same time, I was becoming involved in um, uh, in the Standing Rock movement and I actually did a trip out to Standing Rock and did some direct action. Um, uh, and then uh, was tertiarily. I was a tertiary character in an event that happened that um, like the FBI came in knocking, knocking on my door. And it that didn't really result in a lot of stuff. So I, that was another thing too. I had to like, look at all this, like there's all this stuff happening, you know, like this is a, it was a big time in America, right? Like we have, you know, like the black lives, I was, you know, black lives matter movement was, was coming on the scene and people were calling them, you know, this is before everybody was putting their Facebook profiles all black. Right. Uh, and so there was that movement and people were calling them, you know, anarchists and, uh, and, um, and all these things were happening in our country all at once. And um, I had to personally take a step back and find out, like, where is my place in all of this? I learned a lot as a white person about what my place is. <laughs> still learning. I'm still open to learning. And um, well, let me ask you, because I hear that <laughs> phrase a lot. It's like I learned my place. So what, what did you learn? Well, <laughs> um, you know, I learned that. Um, well, you just, I mean, metaphorically and literally, my place is not to be in the front of a march for Black Lives Matter, you know, but I did learn my place is on the sidelines, literally. Uh, for instance, um, you know, when I was in a couple of marches um, uh, for uh, like, I, I, you know, went to Standing Rocks, part of the direct action is marches. There's other direct action, too, that I was part of, but um, part of the direct action is marches. And um white people are on the sidelines, literally, because that's a way to protect people on the inside when they do their prayer circles, you know, and native folks on the inside, white people on the outside. And in that, and in that way, and I just have like a very literal example of why that's important. Um, and in that environment, um, it was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, police, you know, militarized police act activity. And, um, I remember being on the side of uh, one of the marches and a police car sped right by. We were we were in the road marching, but a police car sped right by and came about three inches from me. And so um, the idea really is that, you know, we're supposed to in that context, we're supposed to put our bodies on the line first. Right. So I guess in that sense, um, that's my place in that movement. Um, and not to be the center or the focus, right? Uh, so I guess I, I, I think of that example um, whenever I think about like, where is my place in racial justice, right? Um, and I, and I had, we had a quick conversation beforehand. We talked about like, you know, what is the racial equity advisory committee exactly? And it's, you know, full of white people, which actually there's, there's one individual who's still there, who's, um, well, there's a couple folks, but one of them, she's white passing, but she's actually uh, Latina. Um, but, uh, you know, something that some of us talk about, it's still our job as white people to educate other white people. Like it's not people of color's job to continually have to educate, you know, white folks on issues, right? So that's also my place, right? Like it's my job to check other people when they're being racist. So you brought up REACT. What, what is REACT? What is the acronym for that? Yeah, uh, Racial Equity Advisory Committee. And yeah, why is it all white except for one white passing person? Well, we 
we do have, I mean, there's still, you know, there's still African-American gentlemen on there too. Um, and I guess that, I, I don't know why that is, right? Or that there's a difference between, okay, there's a difference at the city level. We can get into this conversation now if you want to. We can yeah, just yeah, transition into that. Yeah, we just, we um, just go. <laughs> so there's um, a difference between commissions and then committees and councils. And um, so the mayor has jurisdiction over, over commissions and then the city council are uh, coordinating members with uh, like uh, with committees and um, uh, and such. And so they're different. So I was on the city arts commission for five years and that was, we were appointed by the mayor, but we worked and operated independently. He did not have to come to any meetings. He's always, they're always welcome. They're still open to the public, uh, but there's a liaison in the city parks department that runs that. And so with the REACT committee, uh, they began about 18 months ago and uh, they are, uh, that came out of um, city council. So they are a, a city council, council commission or I'm sorry, committee and so subcommittees can work within the city to, they have to have um, city council members on them. And they, the city council members, the role is to bring ideas and um, agenda items to the city council. And so uh, we're actually going to be undergoing a change. We, we have to, because when it was first formed, uh, there wasn't actually some uh, very specific um, guidelines that were set for how to operate us. There's no guidance on how we can um, appoint new members, um, on how to have action items. There's, you know, and so it's going to be changing soon and how it's going to be changing. I'm not exactly sure, but it may go under the mayor's purview. Like we have, and I'm just to compare it, we have, um, uh, disabilities, uh, commission and their job is to do the research on what this, you know, how, uh, you know, if there's ableism in our community or if there's issues like sidewalks that need to be, you know, come up to, to par or if there's systemic issues with ableism that they bring the recommendations to the mayor. And so um, in that way, REAC may be changing to, to that to be under the mayor's purview. So for now, for the committees that we have, um, subcommittees, we have three city council people on them. Now there's been, I think that it is important to ask, you know, why uh, is most of the committee white? Um, and I also wanna counter that with what is, um, there is a mass exodus of amazing qualified people of color from uh, city leadership, but also in our state legislature. So I don't know if y'all have been following, but there's a number of people who have left our state legislature, just amazing um, people well, of color. Yeah, if you'll address that, that's good. And like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, right, I haven't been into the politics and, and the governance, and I know many of my audience hasn't. So this is an education for us. So yeah, please elaborate. Well, I, I, I can't. I, Honestly, I can't elaborate because it's not my job to speak from the lens of a person of color in leadership, right? So I think that uh, we need to find out and learn more about this mass exodus of people from city leadership and city government. I mean, I have my, I could have my, my own ideas, but I think well, what that are your ideas? Well, I mean, what are some of the things Leslie Dogs addressed, right? Like, are there microaggressions? Is there... You know, like what's happening that's preventing people from feeling 
um, like they have a place um, in leadership of municipalities and, and in government. Um, and it's not like it's something you don't already know. There is systemic issue even within liberal parties, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, it's and and it, we can we can call it, uh, you know, systemic racism. We can call it the patriarchy. We can call it classism, whatever it is. That's all still there. And there are microaggressions all the time, you know, just feminism in also. What was that? We can call it feminism also. We can call. Do you think feminism is? I mean, is if you a call it patriarchy, then you can call it feminism. Yeah, we can we can touch on that. Um, in I mean. Are you, do you believe that women have an equal place in the workplace? Do you think women should be think, at an equal? I think we're in a democracy. We're not in a patriarchy. But that, oh. well, well, we'll save that for another conversation. I'd love to have we that can one. agree to disagree uh, on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, feminism is as simple as believing that, uh, you know, women deserve to have equal pay and deserve to have a job just like a man does. That's, um, that's, that's feminism. We don't have to talk yeah. about any extreme versions of that, right? Because right. on the base level, you, I, I, I don't think that you know you're you're probably not meaning to be sexist, um, but there's you know you if you believe that women deserve the same as men, then you are a feminist. I mean, that's, it's not a dirty word, right? It's I, I don't know. We will just save that for another time, I suppose. Yeah, no, it'll be a great conversation. <laughs> But um, in general, I just, uh, you know, I think um, that there's something to be, uh, that there's a lack of awareness of people who are claiming to um, promote certain causes. There's a lack of awareness of what that actually, um, what that actually means. Mm -hmm. um, and so like give up, you know, give, give space to people take chances on people, you know, um, saying somebody doesn't have leadership skills, uh, a woman who's led a lot of <laughs> uh, action and had a lot of accomplishments in our city doesn't have leadership skills. Um, that's the patriarchy. Okay. Um, and so there's, uh, there's, you know, and, and like I said, it's, it's not my, it's, it's just not my place to, um, to speak about, uh, you know, what uh, Leslie Dogs or any other person is experiencing who's a person of color, because I don't I don't live that. If I witnessed it, I would call it out. Well, um, let me say this, you know, because I think sometimes people and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but some people can use that as an excuse to not answer the question. Right. There's a mm -hmm. there's a there's a there's the piece that I can understand where it's like, hey, it's not my place to speak for a people or or whatever the situation is. But at the same time, you may have an opinion or an observation on what you perceive looking at it from the outside or things that you've experienced. And so when people just say, you know, hey, well, it's not my place to speak on it. And then you don't speak on it. I think that's kind of a cop out. You're not doing that. So I appreciate you uh, for that. No, so, I hear you. you know. And I'm new. That's the thing. People, people want all kinds of, you know, like, tell me what's going on on city council. Well, I just got here you know, but most of it has been pretty public. Um, and so if the things that have come out, you know, the vanilla ice cream and manure comment, or the comment that I mentioned that Pat Seward, that Pat um, Sullivan said about, um, you know, the REACT committee, if those things are coming out public, imagine what's not public and what's not, right? And we've been on Zoom meetings for a year and a half. We haven't been in person. 
um, as, as far as city council. But again, I was just elected um, last November and I was just appointed in January. So let me ask you this, Jennifer, your, your react is going to be changing, right? We understand that there are systemic issues, right? There is a react, right? So there's obviously a purpose for it. So are they going to reach out and talk to folks to build react to be effective? Or you're saying it can come under the mayor's purview. I mean, it seems like it's taking, you know, the, the decision making and the inclusiveness away from it. If, you know, a, a, a white patriarchal, a patriarchal mayor is going to make the decision on what, you know, the new react should look like if they're not going to talk to the community and say, hey, we're going to build this inclusive thing and we want it to be more effective. Oh, OK, yes. Um, so what we're talking about now is, uh, you know, barriers, right? What are the barriers in, um, uh, in having people impacted, uh, be able to speak, um, on important issues that involve them. Okay. So that's, um, it, it is a matter of, uh, we need to, we need to reach out and, and maybe there needs to be some technical assistance within communities on how to run for an office, or let's talk about what these committees are. By the way, the arts commission that I was on, not a paid position, react, not a paid position. These are volunteer positions. And what we know, you know, is that like for, I mean, I'm just going to speak from my lens, you know, when mm -hmm. I was like, a, you know, a single broke, like struggling mother who was impacted by, certain issues having to do with classism. Um, I uh, didn't have time to join a free commission, you know, like a free, like I didn't have that time. Um, you know, there are situations where we have people whose voices are important to the conversation, but they have to work on that specific day that the meeting is held, okay? Right. So, so for me, because I do work full-time plus more, um, when I chose my committees to be on, um, like I couldn't choose a committee to be on in the middle of the day on a Monday because I'm at work. Okay, so that needs to be something that's talked about. I remember I, I'm, I don't do much with the Democratic Party now, um, but I was doing a lot also when I was volunteering. I was doing a lot of work with the Democrat Party locally. I was a treasurer. I was on the e-board doing all that stuff. Um, but I couldn't ever participate in the Democratic women's meetings because they were always on like a Tuesday at the yacht club, like in the middle of the day, like, first of all, I don't have money to eat out. <laughs> Second of all, like I got to work, you know? And so we need to think about like, um, yes, city business needs to happen. That's the thing. Like city business needs to continue to happen. These subcommittees and these commissions are important because they process topics and inform the, the larger entities, they inform the mayor, they inform city council on on how to act and where to go next on these issues. So that's why, because you can't just spend a whole city council meeting talking and uh, at a, you know, micro level about these issues. That's what those commissions and committees are for, is to process that. So we need to have that. Otherwise, it would be eight hour long city council meetings and study sessions. Okay. Right. So and would it be more equitable? Because I'm, I'm kind of solutions based. Would it be... Yeah. To pay a stipend, I think of like uh, the beautification thing that was passed and the electronic boxes that traffic signals have this artwork. And I, I don't yeah. know what they cost, but I heard they were like, you know, over 10 grand per box. And it's like, no, no, they were about 3,500 per box. So those that's that's what the Arts Commission did. And we did pay the artists, but the people on the commission don't make money. Now, there is a flip side of it, like 
you know, like, well, people on the commission, they can't benefit like they can't like I couldn't submit my own art, own art and get approval to be paid as an artist there. OK, that's conflict of interest. But um, so if people were paid a stipend to be on a committee, I think, yeah, that would be a motivator to apply. I mean, I got to tell you when thinking about how like running for an office, it was definitely a motivator for me to run for city council, knowing I was finally going to be paid for my volunteer work. It's not volunteer work. Again, I'm paid. Right. So, um, and not, but if we did have stipends for these councils and commissions, maybe there would be more people who want to apply, but let's also like make it flexible to the people that want to join. Like what days work best for you? Can we, you know, but it's so complicated the way that everything runs. Like, to get the important people in the right places and the people that are impacted, the people that have good voice to bring to, to get a, a schedule together. So, you know, and I'll share my experience with you, Jennifer, you know, during COVID, um, you know, as an executive director, I get invited to, you know, come and sit in this meeting, come and uh, be mm-hmm. a part of this, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever the outreach is, right. Whether it's, you know, public health or DCYF or, I mean, there's, there's a number, more than a dozen, you know, welcome home project, all of them. And typically what you see is, you know, you see a bunch of white faces that are either salaried or paid. And then you mm-hmm. see, you know, the, the, the BIPOC community that is there, that are there as, as volunteers and, and, yes. paid. and I'm like, okay, I'm in like 15 of these things. You know, it's like 15 hours, you know, a week or however much I'm putting into it. And there's stuff that you need to do to prepare or things that you yeah. need to do after you need to, you know, prep your team on it. And it's like, yeah, these things aren't compensated. So it's like, well, uh, you're just not going to be a part. You're not going to be able to lend your voice. And many times these programs are there to serve the actual population that they want to have there, but they're not there, you know, in those spaces yeah. to have the conversation. So that, that's definitely uh, 100% agree with you on that one. And I, um, okay, I, I'm seeing the chat. How much does a city council person get paid? I think it's about 1400 a month. And so if you break that down, um, if you're doing about 10, 12 hours, uh, a week, uh, that's about 25, right? I, I think that's the, that's the numbers there. Um, and yes, Sabrina, more voices are needed for the topic. So, uh, and I appreciate, uh, Marwan that you've made space for me on a Sunday when I'm available, but it's not available for other people. And so I want to honor that right there. Um, and, um, you know, my apologies for that. So. 1400 a month. Yes. So about 12,000 a year. Yes. So um, there's going to be an election in district two. So <laughs> um, it's, I believe Leslie council's position. Um, we're, we're going to be appointing somebody. So uh, we do have some candidates. That's what we're going to do on Wednesday. We're going to be uh, interviewing them in a special executive session. So we have, we interview them privately. And then um, we do a public vote, you know, on 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 who we are appointing. So can, we, her- uh, can we switch to that? Because there was uh, a question that I asked you before. Um, we didn't get a text alert until the day before. And mm-hmm. you were sharing that it was put out previous to that. And, you know, the, <laughs> the excuse was, you know, oh, well, it was posted in the kids app son. And so, you know, Leslie Dog resigned. So people obviously understand that there's a vacancy. So if you wanted to apply for it, then you need to get together and do that. But common folk have no idea. Right. And then that turnaround is so fast. So, you know, yes, you have to get back to the, to the business of governance, but at the same time, just, you know, it's like, 
wow, we're going to open it up for this little amount of time. And the, and the folks that are in the know will put their name yeah. in. And you were saying that you actually shared it out onto social media saying, hey, right now there's only one person that put it in. So, I mean, that seems like a rigged game. Can you, can you speak to that? Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? I mean, it does feel like that sometimes. And so I'm, you know, I'm not like a, a seasoned politician. I don't know. I'm new to council and there's so many nuances to how things work. Okay. So it, um, I am unclear about when the notice went out. Um, and what I believe was, um, and I don't know about the text alert. I just learned about the text alert from you. So what I understand about it is that the, the link was made available for a week. Okay, so I went on to Google and I searched just like a layman, right? Um, City Council Bremerton application. And I got nothing. Okay, I got like a City Council website. Um, apply for City Council Bremerton. You know, just a standard Google search. And like, I mean, I still got like, just like a, a City of Bremerton website. Um, I didn't see like, and if I'm looking on my phone, you know, like a lot of us have phones. Um, that's our platform. I did not see any kind of press release or application to apply for district two. Okay. So let's just like, there's barriers in place. Right. Um, and that access and knowledge that is shared is shared among networks. And what we know is that people network with like, you know, um, and if, um, I mean, not always, you know, but you know what I mean? Right. And um, so, uh, you know, there's in the past, um, uh, there's, you know, it's been shared out to other organizations. I don't know that that happened. So I'll be asking if it was shared out to other organizations. Um, yes, the ex excuse uh, or reason, however you want to look at it, is that people have known about uh, Leslie Dogs leaving for a month. Um, but what I'd like to know more about is how was the link to apply publicized and who was actually, you know, sent that application. Was that application available um, somewhere that's easy to find? Um, and, and I'll ask those questions. Is, is, is necessary, right? Because they people knew what people, who people, and they said they reached out to organizations. You know, I run three. None of my right. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got to be critical of that. Like it's completely valid to be critical and feel like it's a rigged game because honestly, it's all rigged, right? Like it is all rigged um, to be like, there's ways to manipulate every system. And if you know how to run the game, you know how to rig it. So I, you know, am questioning, and I'm not saying there's like this huge conspiracy theory, but it's valid to be critical of how the outreach is done. You know, how, um, who was contacted, when that link was put up, how do people access that link? Um, and so this appointment though, again, it's, 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 it's a way to save taxpayer dollars so we don't have to have another special election because there's just not enough time. So I, I respect that and I honor it, but I am critical of the outreach piece. And I think it's valid to be critical and to come to a city council meeting to express these feelings because I can't just be the only one saying it. Um, and other people feel like that too. I mean, the Facebook page link that I shared on social media, 
um, was put out, I believe, on Wednesday, and the position closed at noon on Friday. So that's if we close at noon and not close the business. I mean, the, the whole thing. I don't know the time. I don't know. I don't know the reasons behind that. And some of that has to do with the purview of the council president, right? Um, and so I was given the other example that um, Quinn, who's on the who's on uh, council, he was he's appointed. He hasn't run. He took over Lori Wheat's position. Uh, he hit the applications were out for a week and he was one of three applicants. Uh, there are, uh, I believe four applicants that we'll be interviewing. I had, I saw that question in the chat. Okay. Um, and I don't know much about them. So I don't even know. I don't know much about, it. I just know we have four. And, um, so it's going to be hard to push back and say, we don't have a lot of applicants because we generally for appointments get between three and seven applicants when an appointment is needed so can i ask so, you did, did the does the council did the council have power to say hey look i get it you said you agree we can't run a special election we don't have taxpayer dollars we don't want to use taxpayer dollars in that way right. but doing this kind of overnight you know uh situation seems like swinging the pendulum too far to the left so did you guys mm -hmm. have power to say hey no this isn't right either we need to do something in the middle to be more inclusive and equitable yeah uh that's a very valid question and um remember we're all different voices on the commit on the uh, council and we're mostly new i'm this with jeff coughlin now after being there for three months i'm the third most senior person on city council we're all new okay so we're learning um along the way and the council president does have the purview uh to make the decision about when to close and when to to um, open, you know, and so there's other support staff in the background that help with some of the notifications. Um, I council president is a uh, is it good now? Yes, sir. Okay. And this is the person who uh, is president this year, and and Leslie wanted to be president. For those of you, you can watch some of my previous podcast. Uh, there's about three stories on the story, but Leslie Dog has 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 been part of council for a very long time. Uh, wanted to be president. Uh, last year, uh, and you can correct me if I'm inaccurate in any of these statements here, and actually Goodnow was supporting uh, her presidency last year, and then this year, uh, she wanted to be president again, and then this year he was saying, or, or I don't know if it was him, but people were saying that she wasn't leadership material, uh, and that he wanted to be president, and so uh, he was voted in as president, and then she resigned, and then consequently, what he's done is kind of this overnight, you know, thing, right? Because uh, he is obviously more senior than you because he's served previously. That's yeah, to the well, you know, I, and I'm I'm sure that they will counter back that it's not overnight. It definitely feels rushed, just like it feels rushed to you. That's a valid, right. it's a valid feeling well, to have. Over, overnight is a you know. Yeah, it feels it feels very rushed, um, and it feels like the will of the people was to vote um, a progressive woman of color into that office in that seat. So, um, uh, but um, and how that uh, the presidency and the vice presidency worked, and and there, you know, um, uh, so Leslie had run uh, to be president three different times, I believe, and this year was her fourth. And I and I talked to and I and I had you know wanted to reach out so. Uh, and reach out and meet the different council members before. It's very common for us to make one-on-one -on -one connections. By the way, there's something called a rolling quorum, which is against the rules. 
when you go to one person and you say, hey, I think I'm going to vote this way. And then you call the next person and you say, hey, let's vote this way. That's called a rolling quorum, okay? It's a little shawarmy, a little sneaky, and it's illegal. Um, just putting that out there. So, um, you know, calling and like kind of soliciting votes in that way is not actually ethical. Um, Did that happen? Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. A rolling quorum, correct. Um and, um, but, uh, I did, you know, I, I did talk to, um, different members and I talked directly to Leslie beforehand. And I said, you know, I just want you to know, um, I'm, you know, I, I don't know who we're going to vote for, for president or, um, vice president, but I, I want to support you in, in president. And, and I'm the one that actually nominated her and it was me and Leslie and then, uh, five men. And so that's how it went down. I nominated her for president. And then uh, somebody else nominated Michael and all the men <laughs> voted for Michael. And it was just me and Leslie voting for Leslie. That so like the NFL and Colin Kaepernick, right? I mean, there's, there's no uh, in there, but just somehow he gets blackballed out of the league. And, you know, just saying yeah. that, that's, that seems very familiar. There was a question in the chat. Uh, does it happen was the question. A rolling quorum. I'm new. Uh, so I can't, I don't, I don't know. Does it happen? Right. Like, does does this happen in politics? Sure. It happens in politics. Is it happening? I don't know. Like I can I can have my suspicions, but also I don't have like any proof. Nobody did a rolling quorum with me. No, that I know of. Right. But I do know that um, Michael did make it known when I talked to him on the phone that he was interested in in running for president. And um, I do know that he wasn't um, like confident the way that he verbed it uh, that wasn't confident in leslie's leadership abilities so that i do know so it is true what she's saying that there was criticism on her for her leadership abilities um but uh you know we can all have our opinions um but what are those opinions informed by um so that's uh basically how that went down she ran for president um four four time four different times i believe and was not voted in four different times. Like, you know, she's got so much seniority on council. How And she has amazing knowledge. Like there's so much knowledge and insight that comes with that kind of seniority. And the way that she, just in my short experience and in catching up on city council, because I was watching it's all available on Zoom or BCAT or whatever, catching up on city council to make sure I was informed going in or tried to be, right? Just the, the questions that she would ask were so applicable and based on that knowledge. Um, I, you know, she, there, it wasn't because she was a woman that I was nominating her to be president. Okay. So it was because she was so informed and um, passionate um, about Bremerton. Absolutely. Well, I want to say one, I appreciate your candor. Uh, a lot of politicians, that's what you are now, uh, would definitely kind of dance so. around and give a, a, you know, a political answer to that. For those of you that are joining, uh, I see the numbers are going up. Uh, thank you for joining us. You are watching The Conduit. Today, our guest is Jennifer Chamberlain. She is the city councilwoman uh, of Bremerton District 1. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and give you the horn. Thank you. <laughs> so she's here, you know, talking with us and uh, sharing who she is and being accessible. You mentioned something earlier, Jennifer, about, um, you know, the change that's needed, right? And and being accessible and, uh, you know, other folks being in the know. And so, again, that, that is the purpose of the conduit. Um, so
so glad that you've agreed to come on. And I think this is going to be a, a regular thing. What I'm hoping is, is that um, Quinn and some of the others would also be willing to come on. You said there were three people uh, that are on the council that are part of React. It's it's you and and who else is part of React? Uh, and, go, and I can't speak for them, so I will let you uh, extend yeah, the invitation. Right. <laughs> Anna Mockler, and she's the one that took Mike Simpson's place, Anna Mockler, um, and Quinn Dennehy. All right. So I will reach out to them, but if you wouldn't mind letting them know that uh, it sure. will be coming, sure. that, that invitation. Uh, and and we, we need that accessibility. We need the information. We've learned so much in this last uh, little bit of time, uh, more than our community Probably we we hear about it after the fact, unfortunately, but getting it is is important. Uh, and oh, someone in the chat is saying that it's refreshing to have a politician be so oh. open and transparent these days. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Oh, thank you. Give you another horn for that. So yeah, you know, so we definitely want to have these folks come on. When will React be um, changed? When is, oh, when we don't have exactly a notice on that. Um, but the next, here's the deal. Let me just invite folks to come to the next React meeting because you will understand uh, some of the interesting things we have to put up with. We have some folks that are uh, regular attendees that are not kind um, <laughs> to the cause of React, but you'll also learn more too. It's on um, the second Thursday of every month. Uh, so the next one will be April 14th and we start at 6 p.m. Now, um, there is, I want to find out, and, I, and what I'll do is I need to find out how, uh, there is public notice that's given for that. And there is, let me look. Um, you said 6.30, Jennifer? 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock on the second Thursday of the month. And there is right now a Zoom link. And it should be available on the City of Bremerton website. Now, my email address um I'll forward that on is uh, jennifer.chamberlain, spelled C-H-A-M-B-E-R-L-I-N, at ci.bremerton.wa.us, long email. So I will, so uh, favor, I'm on type, high it the, type it in the private chat there, and then I'll yes. copy and paste it and put it in there. And you Sounds said it's the uh, second Thursday. Uh, so what date was that? April what? April 14th. All right. So I will let you guys know, audience, that I will cover that live on The Conduit. Uh, also, we will be uh, on BCAT here shortly, uh, so you'll be able to, they also broadcast it on BCAT, but, you know, come on to the conduit, because we get it done. Uh, so I will I will start covering the REACT meetings, because uh, again... Thank you. We Well, you know, here's the thing, you know, I, and, and this is something that you heard me say the other day, right? It does no good for us to vote who we want in, and then say, okay, they're voted in, go ahead, you guys got it. If we're not going to support and then push and hold accountable, right? Support and accountability are, are part of that. Um, then you're saying, hey, come to the React because we're being attacked and these things are happening. People don't want these things to happen. And we're here by ourselves. So we need the support. The support. We need the other voice to bolster us and push us. Otherwise, what we have is what happened with Leslie. It's like, look, man, I'm fighting the people. I'm fighting yeah. the, the people that are against it. I'm fighting the, my, my, my counterparts. My allies. I'm, even to right allies, too. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm supposed yeah. to be an ally, right? Oh, my good friend. So, absolutely, it is important for us to be there. And, and everyone can't, but some of us can, right? And we can divvy it up for sure. So, and we will be needing more React members, too. So come and join in and see if that's a role you'd like to play. 
Oh, well, what that was a question earlier. Let me go back to that. Uh, was it a sideline shield? Oh, man, this chat is going today. Oh, it's hot. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm trying to find it. Oh, there it goes. Is there accessibility for a person to join that community now? Uh, so can they join React now or is that uh, does because it open yeah, because I so apologize for talking over you. Um, no, it's uh, we are short members right now, but because we're undergoing a change, we've had to put a pause on high on uh, having new people. Now, you do have to be living in the city of Bremerton to be on the react committee. Uh, we will need more people to join. And once we have what's what's missing is uh, uh, just a recognition in our city charter for what the format is. Once that's in place, then we can bring more people on because we'll have guidelines on how. Uh, legally, we can have people on, which right. basically the biggest thing is be a registered voter in the city of Bremerton. So. Okay. All right. Thank and you. So is there a way for us to put pressure on on the mayor or whoever is going to create the new react as far as the guidelines and what it should be and the objectives? There's already a lot of pressure right now from both sides. Um, I think the best thing to do is um, to tune into a meeting to find out about how the business is. We're gonna be talking about the format at the next business meeting. And in the meantime though, the city council wants to finalize the format before REACT decides how they wanna be formatted. So it's gonna be, um, there's there's a lot of politics in it right now and we need support from the community's voice really to put pressure on in whatever way they see fit, honestly. Well, you got a commitment from the conduit. We will be there broadcasting, we'll bring Thank our you. voice. And we will uh, rally the folks to, to come and have their voices heard, too. Another question here in the chat. Do you have a time frame for that to happen, estimated time for that? I think you were just answering that. The reformatting, we don't. Um, it could be as quickly as a month. It could take several months. It depends on uh, these two groups that, you know, we have like city council and legal. Then we also have REAC, right? So there needs to be a good compromise between the both. And it's not that it's one against the other, although I think sometimes it feels like that is that there are legal, like we need to have a format that's in the charter to protect this this organization, right? This committee, we need to have a, for, you know, like anything, we need to know, um, you know, when they meet, how you can have new members, who, you know, how you give information and how, it, how it's perceived and delivered. And so it's just city bureaucracy, colonial, yes, but it's what's needed. And then we have the REACT committee, which is a, a good committee to work on decolonization. And that's, so it's a hard, mix right um to try to figure out how you can mix this very colonial bureaucratic process with a committee committed to decolonization okay so that's really the issue right um and so uh there needs to be some conversation between the two some consultation and um so i have no time frame uh but we will be talking about format at the next react meeting and um I, please do come please come because there are some race baiters there and they are just out there to try to discredit the cause and it would be good to have some friendly voices in the in the mix power is taken it's not given so you know the other folks <laughs> take the power so make your voices heard for sure uh there's a question how does a person access the zoom link for the react committee um, and i was yeah i was looking it up uh city Bremerton react let me see if it's even posted on the website um if you can't find so it jennifer i will put it out later uh, yeah, people, yeah, I don't have the Zoom link. Um, there's just public notices. So that's, isn't that a barrier right there? <laughs> um, so <laughs> when I go to the React committee meeting, there's no Zoom link. So let's find it out and we'll- And like the application that you looked for also, right? 
Yes. Just saying. Oh, I'm sure it's there now, or I'm sure uh -huh. it's there on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Well, let, let's 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 turn the corner here because you know we're we're almost out of time. I want to be uh, yes, cognizant sir. of your time. Um, what made you run for council? You know, we were talking about who you who you are as a person and um, just kind mm -hmm. of your experiences. What made you run for city council? I I lived in Leslie's district for a long time, and I started getting in like it, it was the whole Bernie Sanders thing that got me into politics. By the way, I was already doing activism, but I got into politics thanks to Bernie Sanders. And I got to learn a little more and it was so interesting to me. But of course, um, you know, you start looking at the positions that, you know, well, first of all, women typically run for city council or school board. Right. We, there's that. That's what we do. Um, and so I look at those two positions. I knew I couldn't run for the school board. First of all, it's not really paid. And I work for the school district. And then I was like, oh, city council, maybe I'll run for city council one day. But of course, there's no way if I'm living in Leslie's district, I'm going to run against Leslie because she's awesome. So um, I had to move. Um, I was uh, forced to move. I was on a month to month lease. My landlord wanted to rent uh, my apartment to his daughter who could not find housing because, as you know, we have a housing shortage. So I got kicked out of my apartment, essentially. Um, and so I had to look for a new one. And it was uh, God, it was so devastating. It was so hard. I remember having a mental breakdown near, near about one night and just crying, crying, crying. And then the next morning I found um, a, a Craigslist ad for the place I live now. So I moved. And then I realized I had the realization. I was like, oh, I'd kind of gotten to know a little bit about who was on city council. I'm like, this is Pat Sullivan's district. Well, it was, um, you know, I've been going to school. So I just finished in the spring. I finished my master's in public administration at Evergreen State College. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for a high school dropout, right? Um, and, uh, and I knew that, and I was moving away from activism. And part of that was because I began to recognize a couple of years ago that real change happens neighbor to neighbor, right? Like we're not, I can't change national politics I can have a voice in supporting national politics, um, but the real change, the real changes that are going to be most effective between the people that I care about, the people that I'm in the community with happen at a, at a local level. Um, and so I scaled back on all these commitments that I was in, the volunteerism and the boards and all the everythings, and put my energy into working on getting into grad school, which took me three years to do. I finally got accepted my third application in. And um, so through that process, uh, learned a little bit more about policy and advocacy. And at the same time, the Black Lives Matter movement um, became in the forefront, right? George Floyd. And, um, and uh, that was right about when REACT was uh, being proposed. And um, my current city council member was published in the paper at a city council meeting, making a very uh, a racist, uh, ignorant comment. Even the Kitsap Sun called it racist. They said, um, she said, uh, you know, if they're, if my neighbor's house were tagged by graffiti by a gang and most gang members are black and Latino, if my neighbor's house is tagged uh, by a gang, would I feel comfortable going to a racial equity advisory committee because I'm white? And that was published in the paper and I just read it and I just couldn't believe what she said. There's so much cognitive dissonance in the entire statement. The entire statement was... Um, so I said, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's time, but I wasn't just trying to center myself. I was still like trying to talk to other people like, Hey, Democrats, you got anybody who wants to run? Hey, so-and-so I think that 
you she would be good. But nobody wanted to do it. And that's another thing, too. You know, it's scary. It's it's a scary idea. And people want to protect themselves. Right. People have. I'll, I'll, and honestly, I've been very open at this meeting, but all my dirt is in this town, you know, from things I was doing when I was just as involved to my ex-boyfriends to all the everythings are here. Right. So it's scary to think about um, putting myself out there knowing that this person has this information. That person could say that because they, they have that opinion or I got in trouble and this is public records. And by the way, a couple of years ago, I started doing public records requests on myself. <laughs> and there's a lot. It's scary. Um, and people who are impacted, people who, uh, you know, they, it's even scarier, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I just did it. Um, and I didn't go into it ignorantly. Um, I was, like I said, doing my master's degree. And um, I actually did part of my coursework. See, Evergreen's known for what's called an independent learning contract. So I did two different independent learning contract graduate level classes on running for office. So I went into it. I did trainings. Um, I read books. I talked to so many current and previous um, politicians. Uh, we did Zoom meetings. So Emily Randall, Karen Bolton. Um, I talked to Dave Farr, who is a previous council president. I talked to a lot of different people. Walk and talked with Lori Wheat. Walk and talked with Kevin Gorman. Because um, I wanted to make sure that I knew, you know, what to expect and not to go into it ignorantly. And um, but really, it's a position I believe belongs in the hands of any person, any lay person, you know, that, you know, city staff can help you learn the rules, you know. Um, and so, you know, any person, any person on my block could be on city council. That's the intent of being a city council. Right. I will definitely make it an intention in one of our conversations to talk about the steps on how to do that. Um, Absolutely. I'd love to share with you about that. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I'm talking about. There's so many of us that have no idea. Right. And it's like when you when you think about it, it's like, OK, so what what gave Jennifer the audacity to think that she had the requisite experience and and knowledge and that she could do a good job to do this? And it's like we want everyone to have that spirit. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Please. Somebody take my job for me next term. Like, seriously. Like somebody, you know, somebody else who uh, can advocate in a better way than me. Please well, take my I job. Think, I think there's some other districts. <laughs> I think there's some I'm other at. districts that need to. They do. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done all over the place. So. And, and it needs to start now, right? I mean, that's not. It needs to start before. It needs to start a hundred years ago, but it needs to start now. It's like we, yeah. And, and I want people to be excited and to not be afraid to do this. It's so there's a lot of work, but like I, you know, like I want to be uh, a resource for people to want to learn how to run for office or learn how to be on positions, you know, and um, I would, love to, to be be, ready, I would right? love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, we need to be ready. I mean, something can happen, unfortunately, like Leslie Dogs, and it's like, hey, we're going to open this thing for a week. It's going to be kind of secretive, but, you know, if you get it in and you're ready, there you go. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people get appointed. You know, or get in there by default, and the next time it's time to run, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I, I mean, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the time yeah. by me. You know, and that person just keeps getting elected over and over again, or they go unopposed. That's there right. Were a lot of unopposed that's right. People, you know, mm -hmm. and then that's how you get them for all this time, and then nothing ever changes, and you're like, man, 2022, and and we're still doing this or that and the other, and it's like, yeah, well, because we're not taking our power. We got to take our power. Christopher, mm -hmm. uh, Christina says. 
Uh, Jennifer, thank you for being accessible to the conduit. It's good to connect and hear from you in this forum. Oh, Christina, thank you for your work and for being accessible to React. I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, Christina is everywhere. They're definitely a shout out to her. So, um, you know, you're. Can you talk about, you know, your your the other things that you do? Like you 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 were telling me that you run a business. You know, I want to don't want you put put yourself in a conflict of interest. Oh my goodness, I yeah, I do. I work all the time. Okay, mm -hmm. and um, I am still like, you know, but my children are older. I have an 18 year old and a 21 year old who's moved out. 18 year old still is at home. Um, but I'm, I've been a single mother all my life, never married by the way. And so always like, and grew up pretty, I mean, you know, like I still have privilege. I, I acknowledge that. Um, but poor, like living in gross apartments most of my life or like sometimes military housing, you know, like, which is great. It's a good resource. But like some, those of you who know what it's like to be a military kid, you know, that nobody is rolling in dough when they're just like an average military personnel. And so I think uh, it, part of my trauma response these days is to overwork. And that's what I do. I'm always working. But I work full time for the school district, which I love, absolutely have loved for the past. Um, I've worked there for 11 years, but and also with AmeriCorps working in schools for two years. But um, this is my last year working full time there. I'm pushing myself out of the nest to see what else is out there. But I also started um, a bakery licensed up with Kitsap County Health Department. I bake out of Hilo's Cafe. Um, but it's not like a storefront. It's a special order and delivery uh, set up uh, for a commissary kitchen. Is that that's what we call it? It's called Heathen's Bakery. And so I do that. <laughs> Heathen's Bakery. All right. I like it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and but then like for the past few years, um, I've been cleaning houses on the side um, and I did some subcontracting with some folks, but most of it has been independent. Um, so that's something else on my business license. I started off my business license as an art business, but well, that's not super lucrative, but I knew I needed to be licensed up and paying my taxes and all that to be selling art in the city of Bremerton. Mm -hmm. And so art, then cleaning. Um, also was a Lyft driver for quite a while. Um, and the bakery, I've done some independent uh, work doing like grant review. I, um, I just am constantly working, but this is my new second job now as city council. So I scaled way back on cleaning houses. I take a, you know, art isn't very lucrative, but I have, I have, a, you know, a couple art commissions every once in a while. The bakery is seasonal. So I just bake on, you know, like holidays, like Christmas and Thanksgiving is gangbusters. I'm constantly busy and, and my son works with me. Um, and Lyft driving, well, I got spat at by this drunk dude. So I stopped driving Lyft. I was like, eh, I don't really need to do this anymore. I'm just going to work on the bakery and people are crazy out there, but, um, That's the worst. It is. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, uh, always working. I am always working. And I think you asked a really important, uh, question earlier. Well, what do you do for self-care? Like, well, mm -hmm. yes, that is a very good question <laughs> because I always, my, like I said, my trauma response is to overwork. Um, and so I scaled way back on the cleaning the houses and that was a good decision to make because I needed to run a campaign. Right. And I did a lot of door knocking and, um, I would just pick a block and try to do a block a day, knock on every door. I wasn't looking at if they're registered voters or not, just knock on every door, talk to people, let them know what I'm doing. Um, and so, uh, but now, you know, I have been really focusing on health and wellness. So eating clean, uh, which is really hard to do. I work, I have a friend, um, 
she has her own uh, personal training business. I feel super bougie saying I have a personal trainer, <laughs> but she uh, she's um, uh, her her name is Nettie Gould, and she actually went to graduate school with me. Um, and she uh, her business is Native Butterfly Inc. And um, she is just doing like online. She sends me workout templates, meal plans, and we do like weekly check ins, you know. And so I've been working on health and wellness, eating clean. I had to give up caffeine. Uh, so I rarely have caffeine. Um, way cut, way cut back on the sugar, like way cut back. Um, you know, clean and sober. So I don't have those. Um, and so I've been working really hard on my health and wellness. But also I talked about therapy. Like this therapy isn't just me talking all the time about all my problems. Like this is work that we do together. And the work is on mindfulness. And um, I do, like I said, secular Buddhist mindfulness work. So I'm reading books on, you know, by Thich Nhat Hanh and like doing the mindfulness work with my therapist and doing it on my own, you know, like taking that space um, and recognizing feelings and honoring, you know, uncomfortable feelings that come up. Um, can hot baths. Can you yeah. explain secular mind, uh, mindfulness, secular Buddhist mindfulness? Okay. What is so that? Buddhism is not really a religion. Did you know that? It's just a practice. I mean, there is a religiosity to it, right? There is certain, but but really, um, so secular Buddhism is basically, you don't, um, so I'm an atheist agnostic and I, um, uh, but I still sometimes go to church, by the way, to the UU. But that's, anyway, um, and uh, it's uh, it's a practice of, um, you know, like looking inward, recognizing feelings. It's a way of, it's, of developing self-awareness, um, doing uh, a lot of it is doing deep breathing. <laughs> so um, there's uh, different work that you can do from a therapeutic perspective and um, in uh like the therapy in therapeutic circles um, where it's uh, like mindfulness and you'll do different types of um, meditations or creative visualizations. And um, my, the practice that I work on a lot, that's really the core of uh, mindfulness practices and Buddhist mindfulness practices is something called a loving kindness meditation. And the loving kindness meditation is where you say certain affirmations for yourself, you know, this is part of meditating. You say a certain affirmation for yourself. And then you say that same affirmation for somebody you love. And then you say that same affirmation for someone you're pissed at. And it's just, that's one practice of it. So the loving kindness meditation is something that I do a lot throughout my day because I'm not perfect. And sometimes people tick me off, but it certainly does help me become one with people. I mean, we're all like, we have we we all have more in common than we have apart. So anyway, and I would say, <laughs> yeah, it does. And and I and I will say mindfulness works. You know, when I was teaching at the college, um, you know, you and I were talking before, like we started OC around the same time. Yes. Little did I know would I be a uh, <laughs> an instructor there uh, at some point. But I I would teach math, right? Business math, mm -hmm. and, and there's so much anxiety centered around yes. math. And then you have adult mm -hmm. learners. It's high stakes. They've got to make money as soon as possible. And so I would have counselors come in and teach mindfulness. And then we would do breathing exercises uh, before math test. And it really helped to cut down on that anxiety. So Fantastic. it works. It definitely works. Uh, so I, I wanted to say that. Uh, I'm going to give you the final thought. I want to thank you so much for coming on.
Uh, I definitely uh, appreciate you. Clearly, the audience appreciates you. Uh, I think you said you were committed uh, to coming on on a regular basis. We'll work that out uh, behind the scenes because you are a tremendously busy person. But what do you? Oh, you know what? 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 What's your platform? We we forgot to talk about that. Oh yeah. So um, so my my platform centers around I mean equity for for individuals. I think that one thing that's important to me is making sure that people feel like they are part of the process. There's not a lot of opportunity for participatory democracy, right? Like, yeah, come to public comment at a, at a meeting. Well, is that, how is your voice really being, you know, um, harnessed and elevated in the community? Because I'm formerly justice involved and, and I used to, I used to be on state insurance and, you know, like food stamps and all these services, right? Like I can view it from the lens of somebody who has struggled um, to survive. Uh, what you know? is justice involved? Uh, for some people, it means formerly incarcerated. For some people, it means they've been to jail or they've been in the system. They've had uh, misdemeanors or felonies. So okay, I'm just gonna say that's a very white way of saying that. I've never, I've never heard that term. <laughs> I was justice involved. I'm like, you said it earlier. I'm like, what the hell is justice? No, involved? <laughs> it's it's a term. It's a term I learned from from other people. You know, like I, I'm a civil survival <laughs> fellow. So if, if y'all know who Tara Simmons is, she's part oh, of a yeah, nonprofit yeah. called Civil Survival. And uh, and I, that's where I learned the term from, was from this organization. Gotcha. Um, all right. All right. <laughs> hey, you need to learn that term. I was justice involved. Just involved. That's a, I was like, yes. that sounds so kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a garbage person. I'm a sanitation engineer. I'm just like, you know, that's that's a new one. Uh, but that's good, though. But it's we have to. Way to say it. <laughs> But but you you're not what you've done, right? And that's important, right? So no. you were justice involved. So you know, I like it. I, I'm laughing because it sounds funny and I never heard it before. But we do need to adopt, you know, these new lexicons of speaking as we as we talk about ourselves. I think that's really uh, important. Um, Christina saying justice involved is a preferred term <laughs> on language matters. I'm learning. I'm learning. Right? I laugh, but you right, know, well, we're all here I mean, to learn. <laughs> it's just funny. If you, if you think about it, you know, justice involved. When you're saying like, you know, that's a good way to put it because some people are justice involved because of systemic racism, right? Um, and so to have it say justice involved, that that really brings the issue wider, and not even necessarily highlights that the person did something, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes those charges are bullshit. I mean, let's just call it. Um, but that they were involved in a system mm -hmm. <laughs> that uh, was part of causing harm, right? And that's what the justice system does in, in a lot of cases. No, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, this this has been a, a, a wonderful interview. I encourage people, again, meet other folks. It's important. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in a privileged position to, to do this, but I do want to share it. But continue with your, your, your platform, Jennifer, and then you have the final word there. Oh, thank you. Uh, so basically, uh, I was mentioning about, you know, like I, I would love to, to find ways to elevate other folks' voices who are not uh, part of the system, but also respect the fact that like maybe these systems have caused harm and they don't want to be part of it. Um, and so I, I'm going to continue to be door knocking here pretty soon when the weather turns, I'm going to be back out. I have the summer off. So I'll be door knocking again, just saying, Hey, this is who I am. And what, what are your needs? Um, also, you know, there's, uh, this area that I'm in, we are, I like to say between Lions Park and Blueberry Park. 
and there's some other other areas that that's part of my district too but um i would love to um see there be uh, more accessibility for walking on uh, several of our streets pine road in particular i'll be looking into that because that's a road where a lot of people live and um want to see the conditions improve for the safety of our residents and I, you know, I just want to be part of the solution. I think like, like, as I mentioned before, being um, you are the conduit, I am also a conduit. So I just really need to be tuning into the needs of my community. What do they want? It's not about what I want, right? Like I can have a ton of great ideas like, oh, I think this would look great over at Lions Park. But like, what does the community need? And right now, some of their needs are better sidewalks. They're worried about houselessness in our community. So they want to see that solved. I'd love to work on seeing um, late night services available. Love to see more services for houselessness. Um, would love to see more accessible or uh, housing for uh, for low income individuals. So we're going to be working on an issue about a multifamily tax exemption. We're working on pretty controversial right now, and um, looking forward to that. Oh, Christina asks if there's a Josh. Is Josh Farley doing a walk in that area that you care about? No, he used, he sometimes does a walk through Stephenson Canyon, which I absolutely love Stephenson Canyon. Um, but I don't think he has. I looked. I don't think he has a walk in my area right now. The big Madrona tree is the closest one, but that's over in Leslie's district. So um, maybe I'll have to go see that one. Go over and see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to getting to know you better. Uh, I love to hear your advocacy and, and, and your drive and your passion and the fact that you're willing to, to you know, feel the tough conversations and, and the tough questions, right? You didn't know what I was going to ask you. So, and we just kind of let the conversation go wherever it uh, needed to go. And people in the chat are going to ask their questions and you didn't dodge anything. And that's fantastic. This is Jennifer Chamberlain, Councilwoman, City of Bremerton, District 1. Applause to you. Thanks. We hope that you have a, a pleasant day. Uh, we, we wish you the best in your endeavors, and we will be there to cover the next REACT meeting and support and to advocate yes. and hold the rest accountable. So uh, awesome. we also hope that, uh, that the rest of the REACT team uh, on the council will, will come on and appear. So thank, thank you so you. much. We really appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Absolutely. All right, everyone. That was Jennifer Chamberlain. Uh, again, a wonderful conversation. Uh, look forward to doing more of this. As I said in the uh, city council meeting, uh, Leslie's resignation has definitely woke me up and I will be uh, definitely turning my gaze more to politics and to government. Uh, government, governance uh, of government uh, and being an advocate and, and bringing your voice uh, to be heard and to advocate for change. Uh, so help me to do that. Again, so many different ways that you can follow us. Uh, as I said, I will work with uh, behind the scenes uh, to set up a regular schedule for Jennifer to come on. She's already committed to that. So if you do have any questions or concerns, of course, you can reach out and send it directly to her, to her email. I'll pop that back up here, uh, jennifer.chamberlain at ci.bremerton.wa.us. Jennifer is with two N's. Chamberlain is chamber, L-I-N, okay? So you can add that. But of course, if you want to just send us an email, 
we will make sure that she either gets the question either through email or we'll ask her on live. Uh, and what's nice about having these conversations on live, right? It's another way to hold folks accountable, right? Because if they say they're going to do something, then we want to see if they actually have done it and or are they making progress on it? Where are the obstacles? Who is getting in their way? And what we need to do to help push our, object, our, our objectives forward. Uh, again, our email is the Conduit Podcast Show at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back for another show uh, tomorrow. Uh, but for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I am Marwan Cameron. This is the Conduit. Power is taken, it's not given. Peace, y'all.